Hello and welcome to Cool Sheets, where we sift through the noise so you don't have to. You'll hear all about ten things that we are currently enjoying in our lives. Each of us has exactly two minutes to dive in and tell you about one of the things we've chosen. It might be a book, an app, a gadget, a place—anything goes. Don't forget to get all of our show notes on our website, CoolSheets.cool. You can also interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's dive into our Cool Sheets. Hello, everyone. I am Karen Holman. And I'm Brian Hart. Yes, you are. <laughs> I think, yeah, it is me. Oh, good. <laughs> Sometimes you just never know. That was a close one. <laughs> but, you know, I was ready to have a guest host with me today, too. Just so in case it, it would have been me? fine. Yeah. yeah. I could have been whoever. Uh, yeah. I still might be. We'll see. <laughs> the truth could identify itself later. Ooh. Okay. Well, in the meantime... I'm going to start. I get to uh, begin talking about my first cool sheet, which is a resource. And this is the Energy Trust, the Energy Trust of Oregon. And there are so many resources on this website. I don't know where to begin. Well, I do. I decided to start with residential. So there are links on here where you can look for residential or businesses. And there's also another link that talks all about sustainability, sustainable energy. But what is really great is that all of us, most of us, I should say, um, live in homes or apartments or something where there is there are changes that we can make um, that will be more efficient in terms of our energy use. And this is what they are all about. They're all about helping us. And the very first thing that you can do when you go to energy trust.org is you can go to their special offer that is a free easy to install tool kit to reduce home energy use and that is so cool because you go in and you input your address and they assess whether um, depending where you live whether your um, electricity is through PGE and your gas is Northwest Natural or whatever it might be and you put in your address and then they say okay how many light bulbs do you have? Do you have a TV? And do you have a shower and, and whatever? And then based on your answers to that, they send you free LED light bulbs. They, if you had a huge house that had 40 light bulbs, they would send you 40 light bulbs. And so they are really, um, with the funding that they have, they want to help people be more energy efficient. And part of that is giving them free stuff. So you cannot go wrong with this. Not only that, but there are just tons of ways that you can, that they tell you how you can evaluate your home energy use, um, cash incentives you can get depending on if you change things, and all sorts of tips. And it's just wonderful, wonderful resource, Energy Trust. Cool. Uh, is that for Oregon only? So Oregon and Washington. Or does it just know where the heck I am seeing yeah. this from? No. Um, so it's Energy Trust of Oregon, but they also serve some people in Washington, which is oh, interesting. Okay. okay. And I feel confident there are similar kinds of things in other states. So just look for okay, your cool. Energy Trust. Cool. I yeah. wasn't sure. If it was just reading where my location and it was spooky, one of those things. Oh, gotcha. Or if it's an Oregon exclusive thing. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully yeah. everybody else has something similar because this looks like a really cool resource. I just started punching it up as you were talking uh -huh. since we don't share our cool sheets. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, whoa, wow. Yeah, that's really neat. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. And it's great. Like I said, um, they also have resources for businesses. So if you're a person that has a residence, you can do it. And then if you have a business, you can do it. And 
Um, I have a friend who's looking into getting solar, and so he's totally delving into everything they have that. He's learning about the cashback incentives. He's learning about how you can go about doing it. They have people who come out and assess your house, how you can do it. So it's just – it's resource-rich, which is awesome. I love that. Yeah, because a lot of times – even people that want to be greener or start taking some of these really neat uh, energy conservation measures, it's intimidating when oh, you yeah. think about it as like a whole, like big picture. It's all kind of overwhelming. So it's cool to have a resource that kind of can help you take it one bite at a time and yeah. figure everything yeah. out. And giving you free light bulbs, that's wild. I know. Man, that's really cool. Yes. Very, very cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. Uh, my first cool sheet is going to be a YouTube channel, and this YouTube channel is called Behind the Curtain. And this is a YouTube channel by uh, Nehemian Jordan, I believe is his name, and he is a screenwriter that uh, that lives in L.A. And he describes this channel as uh, Behind the Curtain Crafts Educational Video Essays Using the Most Valuable Insights from the profession- from Professionals in the Industry. Uh, take a look at the creative process of the Coen brothers, Quentin Tarantino, and the creators of The Office and many more. He says that he is going to make a new video every week, but uh, it has turned into more of once a month. Hopefully it keeps going. I'm I'm hoping that this series uh, continues because there hasn't been a one for a month. They're all great. They're, even if it never happens again, there's 17 really good episodes that are worth checking out. So I, I highly recommend everybody. Uh, this is kind of geared towards other screenwriters. So a lot of the interviews are of screen either the screenwriter, sometimes the director, but mostly about the story. But anybody that loves film, any filmmaker, a lot of the times filmmakers and screenwriters are either the same person or they work very, very closely together. So independent filmmakers, of course, have to do everything, basically. So great research resource for people just getting into the film industry. And it is essentially, it, it surprised me at first, because I figure it maybe be like Nerdwriter, where he talks about an episode or a situation or a scenario, and he kind of narrates it while showing visual examples. This is different. This is just essentially a curated interview list, but he does edit them together. So it's kind of the best bites of a subject, but it's interviews. And then he goes in detail and gives you the links to the full interview if you want to learn more or see that. Uh, but he does, he, he talks about a lot of the greats, uh, Aaron Sorkin, uh, TV shows, Mammon, The Wire, uh, movies like Fight Club, uh, and Arrival in the Dark Knight. Tons of really good stuff behind the curtain. Awesome. Have you told me about this before for Dean? Uh, I don't think so unless it was in the last – I've only known about this for a couple months. Okay. And wow. it's not super – it's pretty new. I think it's only maybe six months old, YouTube channel. Uh, and the, like I said, the last video was a month ago. I hope that okay. they keep doing it. Uh huh. Um, you know, it's really hard. There's not. It's not. It has you know in the tens of thousands of subscribers, and each view gets fifty all the way up to eight hundred and fifty thousand views. But a lot of times, if if creators can't monetize it, they just kind of uh, lose interest. Right. Uh, so I hope that either it gets really popular or he just keeps doing it, even if it's a little less frequency, because yeah. they are really good and they're helpful. So I hope he, he keeps doing it. Yeah, but if definitely. I haven't told you about it, 
Definitely pass it along to Dean. Right. Yeah. And for listeners who don't know, I have a son named Dean who's interested (laughs) in going to film school. So that's what I was asking about. So you mentioning the office reminded me of um, a question I got from a student on Friday. So there was a group of students who were having an argument about which show has the biggest, like, social impact, Friends or The Office. Oh, interesting. And I was like... Well, actually, I haven't seen Friends, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Especially for our age bracket. I know. That's exactly. That's like the quintessential show. Yeah. And so I was like, I actually can't comment because – and they're like, well, no, 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 you can because, you know, when you hear people talk about whatever. And I was like, I don't know. So anyway, so I, but I watched the rest of their argument and there was one who was just like, it's Friends. And he was just like, rah. And the other ones were like, no, it's The Office. And it was really funny. That is hilarious. Those are two definitely iconic. I'd say in our age group, and I've watched all every episode mm-hmm. of both shows. Uh, and I'd probably say for our age group, Friends for sure. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's been re- – it was when we grew up. It's all about yeah. when you kind of grow up, I right. think. And you're in your 20s or 30s, the same age that the characters are in. Now, The yeah. Office, I was close enough to their age because they were a more – they were a little bit right. older and in an office setting. And I also work in an office even though quite different than theirs. Yeah. I, you know, you get a lot of those quirks <laughs> and things and it's fun to enjoy. They're both great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're both really good. <laughs> and uh, uh, if you do ever want to check out Friends, it's on Netflix right now, but it's going away in a month or two or less time. Interesting. So it's going away. There, There's another pay-per-view channel started by Warner Brothers that's oh. gonna that it's uh, fr- owns friends so it is leaving Netflix because okay. you've been able to watch every season at forever mm-hmm. uh, and you could always do remember that cool sheet I have where you watch the first episode of something yeah you know, that could be one of those because that was friends was one of the episodes that I watched I when I was that. binge watching uh-huh. because it had such nostalgia but I haven't seen it since I was in my 20s and there's also a lot of people that write up there if you google friends you know there's like how friends destroyed America there's <laughs> right. people are passionate either for love or for hate of friends it's so it's interesting and I wanted to just go back see the first episode because it's always an interesting uh, phenomenon to see the yeah. pilot episode but then to to uh, see if it's still connected to me, if mm-hmm. it was just nostalgia and I could oh, recognize yeah. that, or if I was trying to feel like, I've, oh, this is the first time I've seen it. Would this be interesting mm-hmm. to me? Which is hard to do because you've, you've, you're familiar. Um, so, yeah. but anyway, well, I can do cool. kind of that experiment. I've yeah. never seen it. So, well, okay. So this is my impression, uh, never having seen it, but just having seen pictures of it and people talking about it, is what I hear is that it's like, Okay, there's these people and they live in this new it's New York, right? Yeah. 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 They live they're like, how do they live? How oh, do they yeah. survive? They're, one's like, a waitress and one's Yeah. A struggling musician, yeah. not even a paid musician. And yeah, and they and they yeah, they've uh, dollared it all out, and they're like, "Well, unless they make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, this <laughs> like is all collectively fake. each." Or <laughs> you know, I mean, because they just have a ridiculous apartment, and yeah. everything is the best, you know, appliance, the best everything in their house. Like they dollared out everything, and it was like, "That's There's hilarious." No way anybody that yeah. does what they're doing in the show could ever afford this kind of life. Just the apartment and the furnishings. Yes, they couldn't do it. Yeah. So I think <laughs> so I it's have, funny. I know. Yeah. So I have that perception, but I really don't know much beyond that. Like in terms mm-hmm. of, I assume what's interesting about it is the, 
interpersonal, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever's going on. And I don't know. Yeah, for sure. So, it's the right. relationships. You know, and actually, uh, I just finished Malcolm Gladwell's last most recent book and he talks a lot about friends it was also super interesting because he talked about the characters and their expression when they're acting you can listen to friends with if you live in the united states you can listen Mm -hmm. to friends with zero sound you don't even need to hear their dialogue and you can pretty much follow exactly what's happening their expressions on their face is so almost over dramatically played on purpose that you get it without hearing it and but because of cultural differences if they did that those expressions and watching the show without volume you would be like freaked out it would be the weirdest show ever it wouldn't make any sense because this character's mad and this character's happy but they're fighting and you know because of the way we perceive cultural culturally different uh, emotions yes, in our face. Right. Was so, but he said Friends is one of the best examples for just so expressive. And that's what made it kind of powerful as well is you could feel these characters uh, because of their reactions were so calculated and what you expect in every situation. And even life isn't always like that. Sometimes when oh, yeah. people get really upset, they will laugh or do things that seem really out of character because they can't Mm -hmm. process the emotions at that moment, especially. But it's never like that with friends. It's Mm -hmm. always super, super transparent for the U.S. only. Everybody else is really (laughs) confused, (laughs) which I thought was fascinating as well. And The Office, boy, we're really spending a lot of time on these I know. It's funny. It's like an extra cool sheet here. Hey, we have a whole hour. (laughs) That's true. We do have time. Thank goodness we have longer shows now. The Office, if, have you watched The Office before? Oh, yeah. I've watched lots of okay. The Office. Because it completely changes after the first, even, I think, couple episodes. They followed the British version, which was first. Mm-hmm. They followed it to a T, and it did not play well in the United States. Oh, I Same believe thing, it. Culturally. Uh, so uh, uh, the main character, uh, um, what's his name? Steve Carell who he plays, uh, can't think of his character name right now, but he was... Michael? Yeah, Michael. He was a jerk, and he was very... uh, He made people feel very uncomfortable. It was very... He was like the British star, uh, um, also very famous, that I can't think of right this second because I'm just drawing blanks. Uh, But that, you know, and British humor is just so different. Mm -hmm. That plays very well over there, but the United States audience, they were kind of losing it, and it wasn't becoming as popular as they thought it would be. And then they changed it. They softened him up a little bit where he was still awkward but still more friendly and not out-and-out mean to people. And then it, of course, became one of the most popular TV shows of all time for the United States. And I know people that like the British version that can't stand the United States version. Yes, I do too. it's so different. Uh Uh-huh. And I think it's kind of depends on which one you've seen first or maybe if you just connect with British humor more than than awkward because it's very different Mm -hmm. United States humor. It is very still awkward and there's a lot of uncomfortable tension that you feel with these characters and some people can't stand that kind of stuff either. Right. So they'll avoid it. And I get that too. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it's a lot about those. What were we talking about? I don't know. Is the show over? (laughs) All right. Well, there, that was a great 
Good yeah. show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> okay. My my second cool oh, shit. Oh, wow. Okay. It's your turn. I didn't even know. Uh, wait, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So this is kind of piggybacking on my first cool sheet, but I found this article first, and and I really do want to talk about it, and it is talking about performing a shower audit and how, so then how you can reduce water waste by doing this. So, oh my gosh, we waste so much water. And I do think where we live here in Oregon, it's maybe even worse because we're just like, ah, water's everywhere. And so we definitely um, take it for granted much more than other places. And I experienced that myself when I lived in Santa Barbara for a while in the 90s. And there was a huge drought. And that was when Every time you took a shower, you took a bucket in with you because then any spray water, stray water would go in and you would use that water to water your plants or, or whatever else. So anyway, um, even if you don't have a water crisis, it is a precious, precious commodity. And so this was a really great article, very short, too, that just instructs you how you can be more mindful and, and specifically how to perform the shower audit. So first thing that you do is you just take time and you count up how many showers do you take per week, uh, how many baths do you take per week if you do that, and specifically the length of each of them when as the water is running. Okay, so then you want to calculate how much water you're consuming. And so you take a jug, something that's measurable, put it under the faucet, and you put it on full bore, um, what you use in a shower or whatever, and... You time how long it takes to fill up a gallon, and so then you can calculate how many um, gallons per minute that you are using with that. And once you have that, then you know how many gallons, which I haven't done this yet, but I am scared because it's going to be crazy. So, um, But that awareness is what it's all about because then even shaving off two minutes off of your shower is going to save a lot of water, and then you can even... If you have roommates or family, you can even have like contests who can take the, cl- the shortest shower or whatever. And um, it's just really great doing a shower audit. Uh, yeah, that is cool. I used to be really militant with my shower time. I would always time them and, and shoot for mm-hmm. five minutes or less. Uh, then I had a, I have a, the Hue light, smart light bulb system, and that you can set that, you know, to dim or then go out at certain times. Uh-huh. So that's really a good cue if you don't want to set an alarm or something like that. Your lights go out, <laughs> and that's yes. and then you're like, oh, must be time to go. Or they dim even that gives you a little warning, like mm-hmm. oh, I'm halfway through or whatever I need to do, which is really neat. Um, also, when I used to take cold showers, that really forces you to take short showers because you don't oh want to yeah. hang in there when it's ice cold because I'm talking about as cold as the water can get kind yeah. of cold shower. And especially in the wintertime, you're taking pretty short showers. Uh, but you feel invigorated afterwards. Yes. Um, but I, I, I've gone a little bit lazier where I, I still take – I think that is program. I used to do it enough that I take a pretty short shower mm. most of the time now and you don't always have to do it. But it does. It gives you that awareness of how long you're in there and how much water you're wasting. You can also Google, you know, how many gallons um, on the average shower per minute or on the average bathtub size and how many gallons that takes if you don't want to go through all the you measurement a, process. Yeah, you could get a rough idea yeah, for sure. Yeah, so then you get an idea and yeah. how you could cut that 
you know, would definitely just give you, because it is kind of eye-opening. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I remember being shocked and like, yeah. oh, wow, I, right. need to, I need to chill out a bit on this. Definitely. When I was young, you know, I'd take 20-minute showers and it was just the greatest thing. And mm-hmm. I thought I was, oh, it's, you know, and yeah, a nice hot shower feels really great. Yeah. Um, but way, waste a lot of water. <laughs> yes. I remember my dad challenging me. He was like, okay, I want you all to take the four kids and one hot water heater. So he's like, every minute under 10 minutes, I will, <laughs> I will pay you a dime, which is so hilarious because, but I was <laughs> like, yeah. So I was getting it down to six minutes and like, yeah, I just made 40 cents. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <all> excited. <laughs> um, but uh, something you just said reminded me. You don't have to wash your hair every day. Mm-hmm. And so sure. people like me, I have a lot of hair. Right. Um, I wash my hair maybe every three days or something. And you can cut your shower way down yeah, if you're not. Sure. It, just the fewer things you're doing in there, you know. Yeah. So Yeah, that's a good, really good point. And then for me, since I have much shorter hair. I mean, I I wash my hair probably, I don't know, I live in Oregon, so it's not a big deal here, but it's yeah. like once a month, you know, or once oh, every yeah. couple, depending if I've been exercising a lot and I can tell my head's been sweating, but my hair's so short, you know, that just running it, it's usually pretty good for quite a while. Yeah. Um, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you wanted, you do want to be a little cautious because you don't want to be that person that has well, sticky right. hair. <laughs> yeah. You but know I about mean, it. But when you don't have much, it's pretty... I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. There's definitely cultural perception of how much we are supposed oh, to yeah. do things like that. Yeah. That's just not yeah. the case. There's been studies, I, I think, that I've read, unless it's just hippie websites, but that, <laughs> that are like, washing your hair every day, is it actually very good for yeah. your hair? No matter what vitamins and minerals they say are in the yep. shampoo. You know, it's usually shampoo companies that are telling you that. Yeah, oh, if you oh, for sure. ask them, you should wash your hair three times a day. Uh-huh. So you can buy more shampoo. Anyway, yeah, there is some truth to all of that hippiness. <laughs> all right, my next cool sheet. This is only my second one as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, we better pick it up a little bit, even with the long format. We're, we're running long. Uh, my second cool sheet is an online tool. This is the Theory of Strategy and Planning, and that couldn't sound more boring if it tried, but it actually is a really cool website. It's actually a downloadable PDF, so you can download it and print it off if you're a tactile, like hard copy type of person. It's free, which is really cool, or you can view it online, and the way that the website works, it's it's uh, kind of like a moving uh, PowerPoint presentation almost, and it, let's see, so it says, what is it? Strategy isn't a paint-by-numbers kind of thing. There are deliverables and there are fundamentals that help you get there, but it's more of an exploration than anything. So I love already, I love the idea of it. And this says this is a collection of fundamentals and thought starters and inspiration. So it it's very self-aware that there is no just concrete, here's how to be more creative, how to have better strategies, and how to plan things. It's not just A to Z, super easy to do. So it gives you a lot of just information and then kind of that's – this is more of the starting off point, not the A to Z uh, one, two, three type of method. Uh, I love how it says, it says, how should I use this? Read it front to back or skip to a relevant section or just open it randomly or use it as a hard surface for writing notes in the real world. So whatever gets you there. I love, how, again, how they're not taking themselves too seriously that this is a Bible information website or PDF. 
which a lot of things usually, sometimes they just say, this is the best, especially with clickbait and things like that. Uh, the content, so it's defining the problem, finding insights, writing a brief, evaluating the creative, blatantly stolen templates, and blank pages just for you. So in the back, they even have blank pages. So uh, some of the uh, examples of things you'll find in there is seven rules for brand growth, and it goes into that, uh, framework of category entry points, the Phoenix checklist, and start doing research diff differently, and it, they call that intellectual mischief, which I love. So again, some of this sounds dry, but it really isn't. It's mostly pictures and very short little bites of info, and it's, like I said, starting off point theory and of strategy and planning. Oh my gosh, I meant you're like, this might sound boring. I'm like, this isn't boring at all. Tell me more. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love it. And it sounds like it's free PDF. It's free. You just download. I yeah. love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I'll show you as we're kind of, we can't really do this, but as you can see, as I'm showing you, that it's a lot of, like I said, a lot of pictures oh, yeah. and supplement little things. And then maybe one page of text of just like, here's the rules. Yes. And then a little bit deeper. Well, um, and I like how the text is not dense at all. No. It's very it's piecemeal. very digestible, nice. and like I said, you can just go to one thing that you want to learn more about, mm -hmm. read it over and over. Since it's very short, I mean, these are just really simple but very proven, you know, things that you can do, and they're really, really great. This the is one, cool. The one that I haven't even actually heard of or looked at yet, as I was doing my notes, was the Phoenix Checklist. Have you ever heard of this? No. So this was developed by the CIA to encourage agents to look at a challenge from many different angles. I was like, whoa. I, I love it. So already I'm in for stuff like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Really, really cool stuff. And it has all different, you know, philosophies and theories and experts in different fields of strategy cool. and planning. So who put this together? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I try to look at it. And even in the beginning, I it says a couple quotes and then it has a name. And I, is that the name of the person that did the book or the quote or who is it? Uh, I couldn't really find it, but uh, it could be David Trott or that could be just the person that did this uh, – this uh, quote only. Okay. So, and well, that was the great. one thing out of the the that I couldn't find right off the bat this morning, because <laughs> it doesn't really say even on the cover. It doesn't yeah. say who it's by. So I don't know if this is a collective wow. or it's oh, this yeah. one one person or what exactly. But it is so so good. Yeah, yeah. That's actually cool. Like it's it's no one you know trying to get fame or fortune. Yeah, at all. Just... yeah, absolutely. There's just like we want to get this info out there for yeah. everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, really so cool. Great. Really neat. Nice. Okay. My next cool sheet. Uh, so um, I know close to nothing about wines. And but occasionally, I'm either I, I will drink wine, um, or I need to get wine for somebody. And I actually this is something I hate when someone's like, Oh, bring wine. And I'm like, Okay, what do you what do you want? Like, tell me what to get. And like, no, no, just pick something. And I'm like, Oh, I hate that because I don't know what to do. I'd have I really am pretty clueless. So what I discovered very recently, I was talking to the um local master winemaker Brad Ford, um, who's at Illahi Vineyards, and he told me about this place called Casa Bruno Wines. So they are locally, um, they're in Portland area, but they have a website so anyone can go and, and see what they've got. So this is how they started. They started in the mid-90s, and their goal was 
to initially to bring Italian wines over to the U.S. and to cut out the middleman. And so what they would do is just go directly to Italy, go to the wineries, talk with the people, taste the wines, and then go, yes, this one is good. We're going to bring this one over. And then one by one, they did this very slow process. And um, and so since then, so at this point, it, we're talking 30 years, they have slowly increased the number of countries that they go to. There's still not that many. Italy, France, Portugal, Spain, and Austria are it from Europe. And there's really not a huge list of wineries from those places. And then also in the United States, um, they now have wineries from Washington, Oregon, California. There's one in New York, too. But again, not that many. So this is the thing is if you don't know what's up, this is a resource that you can trust. And so, for example, if you go to a local grocery store such as Roth's and you're looking at bottles, you pick it up, you flip it over, and it says distributed by Casa Bruno's Wines. And then you're like, thumbs up, I'm going to buy this one because I can trust it. It's going to be good. And you can go with that. So Casa Bruno Wines. Wow, I've never heard of that. So that's really neat. I'm also pretty junior knowledge in my wine area. Uh, I try to get into it a little bit, just never spent enough time where I felt it's another pretty intimidating subject. Yeah. I think oh, when man. you look at it, especially there's a ton of wine snobs and people love to talk about all the little aromas while they're swishing it around and it's <laughs> kind of posh even and it can get, it got, you know, a lot of kind of this kind of upper class stigma around it. And actually one of my favorite people who used to be in the wine business and it was a former cool sheet in episode 123 that I did with Jacob is Gary Vaynerchuk. He transformed his parents' uh, wine business into a multi-million dollar or something crazy uh, venture. But his philosophy was essentially like, taste the wine. If you like it, it's good wine. Mm -hmm. You know, he broke it down really. It does not matter. I mean, he knows the difference between what makes good wine according to the experts and everything else in the regions. And he knows, I mean, he knows everything about wine. But he's like, the bottom line is, just t try a bottle for yourself, especially. It is harder when you're going to someone else's house because oh, yeah. you have to predict what they like. Um, and but, but he's like, just if you like it, it's good. And it doesn't matter if it's a $5 bottle of wine or a $55 bottle of mm -hmm. wine or more because it can get very expensive. Oh, but he yeah. goes, cheap wine, who cares? If you like it, it's good. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about it. Don't get hoity-toity. Don't get intimidated by the people that are uptight about it. So I, I always love that philosophy, yeah, too, is not getting too. too bent out of shape about the oak and cherry undertones and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. It's like, is, <laughs> is it good or is it not good? Yes, <laughs> And yes, then yes. if it's not good, don't buy it again. If it's good, maybe make a mental note. <laughs> exactly. And where I get stuck is if there's not tasting happening. Yeah. Then I'm oh, just yeah. standing there staring at bottles. Yeah. Um, so I heard this thing that. Wine bottles that have an animal on the label sell better than if there is not oh, an funny. animal. And so <laughs> basically I just look at them and go, that one has an animal. They're just trying to sell more. I can't <laughs> tell if it's good. I don't know. It's ah! oh, funny. So anyway. Oh, funny. Um, okay, my next cool sheet. This is going to be a recipe uh, that I share. And this is for raw verde salsa. So it's super simple. 
and super delicious. So just in case you're not familiar, verde means green in Spanish. So this is a green salsa. Again, it's all raw ingredients so, and just a few. So it's very easy to make because you don't have to cook anything. You don't have to prep, prep ahead. But it also, because of the raw uh, ingredients, it's very vibrant in flavor because you haven't cooked anything. You haven't mellowed out the onions or garlics. Uh, so I'll tell you what's in it. It's one clove of garlic, r- roughly chopped, kosher salt, uh, two serrano chilies, a half a medium white onion, three to four medium tomatillos, a teaspoon of honey, and 40 cilantro leaves. And that's it. That's all for ingredients. Pretty easy, very cheap to make. And it talks about putting them in a mortal and pestle in different steps and grinding it and hand grinding it. And I'm sure that's really good and a really awesome way to make it amazing. But my method is to take everything, chop it in half, maybe quarters, throw it all in the Vitamix all at the same time, blend it for about 30 seconds, and you're good to go. You have salsa that is so good. I uh, I drink it. I'm not even joking. I don't drink it like, oh, I need a glass of salsa this morning every day. But I will have some with almost anything that I'm cooking Whatever would have ketchup or mustard or whatever, I just throw salsa on it. It's almost always healthier and better for you and uh, tastes really good. I love it. It doesn't have all that. I mean, a teaspoon of honey is not much sugar in it at all. Uh, You can make it as hot as you want. You can put in different peppers, just jalapenos. You can seed them. You can put in a habanero if you want it really hot. You can do all kinds of different things on heat level. So even if you don't like things really, really hot, if you're very sensitive and even like the thought of raw onion and garlic and some kind of pepper even seeded it could be too hot for like i couldn't give this to my grandma but pretty much everybody else raw salsa verde that sounds deliciosa and i made you some so there's some you can sniff it out it's beautiful and yeah it's this this Mm. vibrant i just smacked the mic this vibrant green color it smells so good it smells like fresh just oh yeah i mean i literally did make it right before uh we got on the show that's why i was almost late even though it's fast i was just i had to make it really quickly so i have a spoon if you want to try a little bit do you want to um, how crazy is it? It's not like... I did jalapeno, so I didn't even do uh, serrano. I wanted to make it a little bit. It's got a little kick, though, but not too bad. Hopefully, you, you can be the judge of that. Okay, so I'm super wimpy. Okay. And this is not crazy. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. It's just like zing. Yeah, and it is. I did, you know, I talked about serrano, and I used jalapeno because I wasn't sure how your hotness level is. So Serrano definitely would be a lot hotter. And for the kind that I'm going to make for me tonight will be habanero. (laughs) Awesome. So you can, like I said, you can easily make it for all kind of levels of heat uh, preference. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so good. And so I add a little, also I add a little apple cider vinegar just so it lasts Ooh. a little bit longer. And the, so that's what this has. It, so it gives it a little bit more of a tang, too. But vinegar is one of those secret ingredients that really makes food vibrant and delicious mm. and also preserves it and also makes it a little healthier. It's a little bit of everything good. Can't go wrong. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Cool. I just I, I make this at the office, and it's gone in like two days. Oh. And I'll make <laughs> a, like twice as much as I just made here. But three of us. There's just three of us that use it, but we wow. use it on everything. Uh-huh. Just dump it on everything. 
Oh, yeah. totally. So, oh, I'm excited. Thank you again. You're welcome. And I just like looking at it. Okay. Yeah. I know. It's like a neon. Mm-hmm. It's like Seriously. naturally neon green. Yeah. So cool. So what's the neon? I mean, it's... it's Cilantro. Cilantro, yeah. yeah. Just the cilantro and the peppers. But, you know, since yeah. it's raw, you're not cooking any of that out. I mean, right. it's just, it's all of the stuff yeah. in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's cool because, you know, it says leaves and things like that only. You can even use some of the stems of the cilantro. I don't get super... Uh, uh, specific about just the leaves or just the mm. c- cilantro stems are pretty, they taste the same. So unlike a lot of other things, you can mm-hmm. use stems if you want. And since I'm pulverizing it, it would be better, uh, you know, if you're using more own pestle, you wouldn't yes. want to do stems. It would be really hard. But since I'm just pulverizing everything, yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter what you put in there. And I put a little extra, I put more garlic and I put a little extra cilantro because mm-hmm. I like those flavors. So, yeah, you, it's a super easy recipe. Yeah. And you can get that recipe on our website. Well, this is going on my dinner tonight, whatever uh, my what, dinner might be. Yeah, I don't know. seriously. It's, it could be on anything. Oh, look, here, Griffin could smell it. I, oh. <laughs> he's my new best friend right now. Yes. <laughs> he, he could hear jars being opened yeah. and fresh flavors. Great. Okay. My next cool sheet. I am. Hey, I have another word. I have another word from another language. I haven't done this in a while. And I think as you know, so going through I've, um, I've brought in words from Japanese and from Chinese and um, some from uh, Swedish, Scandinavian and from German. But I have never brought in a word from Africa. And this is from Yoruba. Um, which is um, in Nigeria. And so this word is ashe. And ashe is a West African philosophical concept that is super cool. So I, that's why I chose to talk about this. And so this is essentially the power to make things happen and produce change. So right there, I mean, that pretty much encapsulates it. But to give a little background on how the Yoruba see it is that it is given by their, they have a divine being, Olodumare, who gives this ashe to gods, to ancestors, to spirits, to humans, to animals, to plants, rocks and rivers and all that. And so this is this gift that is given to, to everything. And it can also be in a voiced word. So in within songs, within prayers and prayers and um, praises and even curses, um, everyday conversation that this ashe is part of it. And so it's a really big part of existence to these people. Existence is dependent upon ashe. So I saw this word. It was really cool. I actually saw it in a recipe where the recipe was talking about um, – uh, just a very simple with uh, cassava root and coconut milk. And and at the end of this recipe, they said, serve respectfully. And then they added that sometimes you can't always make this. You could buy it. Um, but I always believe in putting your own ashe whilst cooking. And I was like, ashe, what's that? And it's this amazing thing. So ashe. Wow, that's cool. Uh, I love that. Yeah. This ongoing series that you share of new words because it's always, it's fun. It's really yeah. neat. And they just come up randomly, yeah. which is great. Yeah, you're not even trying to search them out no. or anything like that. 
It reminds me of, too, of another really cool word from another language that I think I might do maybe next time, maybe next week. Cool. Yeah, it reminded me about that a little bit. So nice. can we share? I, was, I had to double check. We had to have talked about this before, <laughs> but I don't think we have. So Nice. Yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, my next cool sheet is uh, an artist, and that artist's name is Invader. So uh, if you saw the, our Facebook post, uh, Invader is my second favorite street artist <laughs> of all time. So, of course, Banksy's number one. Uh, he'll he'll probably almost always be my favorite, even if it rotates once in a while, but he's just everything he stands for. But Invader is it's just kind of uh, in that realm as well. I learned about him at the same time when I saw Exit Through the Gift Shop, which was a cool sheet before in the earlier episodes. Uh, One of my favorite movies of all time about street art. Uh, One of my favorite movies of all time, period. And it's about street art. (laughs) Not just my favorite movie about street art. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, But Invader, uh, so he defines himself as an UFA. I never heard of this. An unidentified free artist. So very cool. I love that. So he's like Banksy. Uh, He doesn't, his identity is not revealed. So he is a, you know, anonymous person and he even talks about that sometimes when he does have because he every once in a while even these underground street artists have uh art shows and he says sometimes he's right next to the person looking at his art and they would never know and you know i bet banksy does that too sometimes you would never even know i love that uh he talks about kind of what the space invader project is all about uh i'm running out of time though to go into details essentially he makes these mosaic tile designs that are most of the time Space Invader characters. So that old Atari Space Invader game, which is very nostalgic for me. It was one of my favorite games as a kid. So I already liked it. I love mosaics. I love tile art. I love I just everything about him. I was like, this is awesome. And then just he talks about the literal translation of being a space invader. He's invading a space and putting up this uh, kind of guerrilla artwork. Uh, but most people, because he's now become so famous, love it and leave it there. And you can go to his website, look at all the maps of all the different cities that he has invaded. Uh, definitely check out Invader. Oh, yeah, that double meaning did not escape me as you were talking. I was yeah. like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And I actually didn't even get that until... Uh, like today, I think, or yesterday <laughs> when I was researching, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, he's a space invader. Yeah. I just literally thought about the game so much because especially because the art is yes. also of the characters. Yeah, He does do different also, uh, depending on the location and maybe the occasion. He will do other character mm. mosaics for sure. I've seen one of the dude from the Big Lebowski, which is awesome, <laughs> which is probably in L.A. somewhere or something like that. Yeah. Or where the movie, you know, took place, something, you know. But most of the time, it's uh, Space Invader characters. And I ran across one just very randomly while I was in London. I went outside to take a phone call from my mom. Whoa. And I looked up, and there it was. And I never would have saw it unless I just uh. got that phone call. Always look up, people. Yeah. Because I, I never saw Invader in real life before. So to see a piece that I wasn't even expecting, I just Freaked out. No I was like way. freaking yeah. out yeah. in the middle of the night in, in South London. 
you know, like was your mom like, my are you like, okay? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, you don't understand. There's just like my favorite, my second favorite artist. And I just saw, and I think I just saw Banksy earlier that day. Oh my so God. It was, just, it was like the ultimate day of street art. That's really insane. Cool. Oh my God. I I haven't heard of him. I want to see, I loved Space Invaders too. And oh, um, yeah. Galaga and all those. I just love, love, I love all those. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And then even, you know, people have um, copied him, uh, and he takes it really well, too. He's just like, it's kind of neat that I've started a movement. It has nothing to do with my studio and, and doesn't represent me specifically, but he goes, I, I kind of like that idea. So the fact that he's not even super bent out of shape, that he now has, you know, people copycatting and things like that, he's just like, nah, it's great. And it's cool. no real political message. Or Banksy's pretty political mm-hmm. in his messaging for his art. This is just... This guy, and he's from France, by the way. Uh, not that that makes any difference, but just as a background, he has no real political agenda. It's just invading spaces. Nice. Yeah. So, I, and I'm kind of showing you, uh, kind of. This is his style. It's very unique. I mean, Space Invaders allows for these square pixels to happen pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, very cool. There's only a couple in the United States, New York oh, and wow. LA. Yeah, it's pretty uh, dense. Most of it's in Europe, uh, yeah. in, in that area, since that's where he's from. Uh, but he will post when he invades, and he, he has a point system of, uh, according to how many different places. And I actually, when I first heard the movie, uh, first saw the movie, I, he saw, he had a shop. You could buy some of the tiles. I really regret, regret oh. not getting a tile mosaic. They were super expensive but now he doesn't even offer them for sale but I did buy some invader shoes so I he used to sell shoes and I still have those and he long since stopped selling his shoes wow uh, but very very cool so I'm kind of clicking through the pictures and it's cool because yeah you don't always see them they're kind of hidden some are really big some are really small uh, but it's really, really cool. He, and he has a lot of other pop culture. So this in New York, he had pizza, but a pepperoni. Yeah, I like that pizza. It was a space invader <laughs> instead of a piece yeah. of pepperoni. Uh, he does other things, but a lot of it's the space invader type thing. Yeah. Oh, I love these so, photos. so, so cool. And the top, in the top corner of a building. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Yeah. And some are people, you know. Oh, Joey Ramone. Or, uh, yeah, Joey Ramone. Yeah. So, which is crazy that you can instantly recognize. It's basically an 8-bit <laughs> picture. I know. <laughs> but you can instantly recognize people and things. Oh. And, yeah. Just so, so cool. Such a cool person. That's great. Yes. All right. I am definitely going to be looking, clicking on the link on coolsheets.cool yeah. <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, we are to my last cool sheet, and I am going to be talking about Carl Sagan. Um, he, he was a previous cool sheet of mine. Uh, Carl Sagan's nine-step method for spotting total BS. And this is so cool because this is something that Carl Sagan was thinking about more than 20 years ago. He wrote a book called The Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in the Dark. And in this book from 1995, he was offering advice to people to um, how to detect uh, baloney is what he called it. So he uh, after this came out, the L.A. Times ate it up and they were like, yes, this is a manifesto for clear thought. And what's so great is how it still holds up today. So he he's just hits on each of these nine things. So. 
some of this is obvious and some of it is like, oh, I need to take a couple more steps here. So one of them is wherever possible, you have to have independent confirmation of the facts. And so you, and you need to have debate like there needs to be substantive debate on any of this stuff because you I mean, there can be debate, but no, it's got to be real. And he also reminds you that arguments from authority don't necessarily carry weight. So you can have um, someone who's in authority that has made a mistake. That happens all the time in history. And so to keep that in mind, that you can't always assume that and that you need to have more than one hypothesis. So he said the best way, like usually we think of there's one hypothesis and everyone's testing that one. And he said, no, there should be several working hypotheses of what's going on. And ever and lots of different people are working on different ones. And one of them is going to rise to the top. And so anyway, he goes through all of these and it's um, it's just really great. And I, I love things that stand the test of time. And this certainly does Carl Sagan's nine-step method for spotting total BS. Oh, man, I can't wait to check that out. Uh, very cool. And it's funny because I almost had a cool sheet very, very similar uh, today. In fact, I just found it a day or two ago, but mm-hmm. it was instantly one of those that I was like, oh, this is great. And it, when I saw your hints on Facebook, uh-huh. I was even like, I don't think that's the same article or resource, but it's very similar. similar. Interesting. Yeah. And so it was on my mind already. And mm-hmm. then it was just cool that it was also that you came across this today. And I almost like swapped it in really quick because uh-huh. I had, like I said, I had a feeling it wasn't the same, uh, but it would have been really cool to have yeah. two of the similar subjects totally. on, on at the same time, but different resources. But I just couldn't pull it together quick enough. So. <laughs> I'll have to save it for a future cool sheet, Uh, but very cool. I love that kind of stuff. There's so much Mm. BS going around uh, right now that you need some checklists and things to keep in mind to uh, keep yourself in check and everybody else in check. Indeed. So and and it. keep doing it because I think we we have to constantly be on high alert because yeah. otherwise you just get used to it. Yeah. You, get, you know, you go, oh, it's just false n- or fake news again or whatever, yeah. and like, no, like. And there's a lot of stuff that's good information that can get dispelled as as fake. And so you need to know the difference. And also everybody thinks, oh, well, it's just – it's rampant right now. But when did this article come out? 95 or something? So it's been around for a long time. BS has been around since human existence. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) There's been people that are con artists and liars and this and that. And it's just – it – you always feel like the moment you live in is the worst moment uh, for something happening. Right. And it's certainly, even in hindsight, I think we will see this era of our life as a pretty high-volume BS moment uh, that I think will stand the test of time, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we just get through it uh, in one piece. But uh, it it has happened It before and it's going to happen again Mm -hmm. so it's always good to keep this on your radar yeah so you can sift through it a little bit all right my last cool sheet i better go we're running out of time here uh this is one of my favorite movies of all time i can't believe i haven't talked about it yet it is hedwig and the angry inch if this movie is just a one of it's a movie I can always put on and it makes me feel all the emotions because it is a very complex film. Uh, it's by John Cameron Mitchell. He wrote it. He uh, 
He stars in it. He directed it, which is just amazing. This was his first film. And I was immediately like, wow, this guy's going to be a superstar. He actually hasn't done a ton of other movies, uh, several others. And one I'm going to check out right away That while I was looking at his uh, filmography. He's acted in a lot of movies, too. This movie came out in 2001. It is about a transgender punk rock girl from East Berlin who tours the United States with her band as she tells her life story and follows her former lover bandmate who stole all of her songs. So that's a pretty good quick snapshot. But this movie is such so much more complex. It's about – though it is about uh, amazing music. The music, the soundtrack, I bought it as soon as it came out. I listened to it daily for probably a year and then still, again, listen to it when I think about it and love it. Uh, there's amazing – this amazing um, animation in the movie that – so as, as uh, she's telling stories – they go into these animated sequences that just go beyond what you could show in real life. So, but it's you can just see what's in her head as this is happening and telling these stories. It's a lot about relationships and love, not always good relationships too. It's such a complex movie, and it's it kind of pushes the boundaries a little bit, I would say. But I have shown this to very conservative friends of mine, and they. Love it. That's when I knew it was extra magical because this was such a, a, a movie that I thought would kind of shock and but I wanted to show it to that person. And he was like, I this is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And I was like blown away. And that's how you know it's super special. Check out Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I am so glad you talked about this. I saw it when it first came out. Yeah. And it's been on my list. I have this going list of movies I want to see again. Oh, and that's yeah. been on it for years. Have you only seen it the one time? Only the one oh, time. Oh, wow. I yeah. know. And I've probably seen it at least 20 times. I used to watch it quite often where I would just like... Uh, you know, get in a state of mind or whatever, yeah. because it goes really well with uh, uh, various uh, um, supplements, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> and you can just watch that movie and go into another universe. And it's so fantastic. That's awesome. I'll let you use your imagination of whatever that might or might not be. It's probably all of the above. <laughs> Uh, any of the above, but it is just, it is such an awesome movie. And so, uh, it didn't go into the details of it, but this, this, uh, ex-lover slash bandmate is like the most famous musician in the world of that particular time. But yeah, stole all the songs, Uh. all the music of this other person who is not famous at all. So she follows this person and plays in these little dive bars right next door, same songs, uh, and has, you know, this ongoing lawsuit. And, uh, but it's just about the life and the story, and it's just magical. And I met uh, John Cameron Mitchell before in real life oh, cool. at Sundance one time. He was there, and someone was like, oh, my gosh, this is like one of your biggest fans over there. And he came to me, which is <laughs> always kind of crazy and awesome. And he's super, super, super shy. Oh, wow. He could barely say hello, which you would never guess because when he plays Hedwig, I mean, it it's more common than you think, uh, I believe, that, uh, but 
Hedwig is such an extrovert, amazing personality on screen that you cannot keep your eyes off of. But in real life, this person, you know, you kind of, they become that character, even though you know it's different. But they did such a good job that you think there might be some parts of that person in real life. And there might be, but uh, very different Super humble, very nice, and a lot of times shyness can come off as, um, you know, rudeness or something, but I could definitely tell he wasn't like that. Super, super friendly, nice, very appreciative of my crazy fandom because I could not contain myself about how much I loved that movie and how it changed my life, and I think about it all the time, and I've shown it to people, and he was just almost, like, uncomfortable in my appreciation because I was so – but did – enjoy my enthusiasm and love the fact that uh, his movie touched someone like that and probably gets that all of the time as well because it's kind of a cult classic also um, but there's still a lot of people that don't know about it and need to watch it and so, you should watch it again definitely. I should have brought it I almost brought it to, <gasps> yeah. to loan it to you uh, so did you like the movie uh, it was alright <laughs> yeah it's okay alright well awesome show and it's hard for me to say what my favorite movies of all time but that's definitely one of yeah. them yeah oh that's for sure that's great yeah okay till next time alright bye Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cool Sheets. You can find out more about all the cool sheets we listed by going to our website, coolsheets.cool, and looking for the links. That's coolsheets.cool. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave comments for us on Facebook or email us at info at coolsheets.cool. Bye.